Hello, and welcome to the Content Minds. My name is Ryan Broderick, and I have had a very busy week. <laughs> uh, my name is Luke Bailey, and I have had a probably slightly less busy week, uh, but I just made some delicious mushroom soup. Oh, wow. What's in mushroom soup? Mushrooms. That's it? And water? Uh, well, no, you like well, some carrots and some uh, garlic and some celery and some other aromatics and some herbs and stuff, but so basically mushrooms. If it's mushrooms and other vegetables, why is it mushroom soup and not like carrot soup or something? Because it's primarily mushrooms. Like you can't make, like you put just a little bit of carrot in and a little bit of celery and a little bit of garlic and stuff because they're, they're, they're just good for flavor. And like onions, you know, I always put, like basically everything can take two onions. Everything needs at least an onion. I've found that as well yeah. as I've gotten older. Yes, yeah, so that's like the base, and then you put a lot of mushrooms in on top. Blend it all up. It's delicious. All right. <laughs> Welcome to the show. This week, we are talking about the European Super League, which uh, on Monday, Luke uh, uh, made me agree that that should be the topic of this week's show. 49 episodes. I finally got a show about football. Yeah, we're going to do a football episode, although I'm fairly certain the Super League does not exist anymore. Is that correct? No, it does not. Okay. So... Burned briefly, but brightly. Okay. Yeah, it it seemed like a very exciting day on Twitter for about... 20 men that I follow. But before we get to that, <laughs> Luke, how's the internet this week? Not including football stuff? Not, I mean, it's felt uh, unhinged, bluntly. Interesting. Tell me more. It's, it's, it's so a really good way of measuring how anger upset the internet is, is like how quickly tweets get retweets. Okay. And the, over the last week, I have spotted multiple tweets, and admittedly, many of them are on the football thing, but they're on other stuff as well. Obviously, there's George Floyd verdict. Right. Uh, there's the Prince Philip funeral. There's been some major events. 420 as well. 420, of course. Uh, it was not a chill 420. No, no. It was the least, but possibly the least chill 420 of all time. I think 420s will become less chill as weed becomes more legal on the like across America. That makes sense. I think 420 will become like Cinco de Mayo or St. Patrick's Day. As it becomes more legal. That's my theory. Culturally appropriative. I, you know what? I guarantee, I mean, I think weed culture is like slightly cultural appropriative just to begin with, but like, I think it will become more inappropriate and like obnoxious as it becomes more legal. Yeah, that's almost definitely true. But yeah, it's been a, it's been a, a, a wild and unhinged week because yeah, you, I, I, you see a tweet and it's got like 2000 retweets and you realize it was, it was, fr- it's from like 120 seconds ago <laughs> and stuff like that. And you're like, Wow, this is out of hand. This is, uh, yeah, it's been an unhinged week. I saw a video, I think it was of the guy on TikTok who pretends to work at Ikea. You think I own this business? You think I own Ikea? I'm a part-time employee halfway through a two-week notice. I don't give a shit. I'm telling all my friends not to shop here. Tell them. You think I want five other yous running around the store? Have them call me, I'll tell them. You think you hate this place more than me? I work here. And it had like 125,000 retweets in like a day. Yeah. So that's, that's that's ridiculous. That's insane. Like, And it's pretty funny, but it's not like 125,000 retweets funny. No, n- not if it's doing the end thing is. <laughs> you, know, you know what it is? Ellen DeGeneres taking a selfie. 
That's what deserves a hundred thousand <laughs> retweets, in my opinion. Man, that that entire concept is aged incredibly. Did that just like sock you in the face with that? Yeah, like oh yeah, that was the most like popular thing for like a year. Wait, actually, before you know, this is I gotta know before we continue. I gotta know how many retweets did it does it have? Is it still the most retweeted tweet? Three million. It has three million retweets. It is not, however, the most retweeted tweet. What is the most retweeted tweet? It is the fifth most retweeted tweet. Wow. Uh, this isn't as... as Wow. Okay, this is fascinating. The top six of this is genuinely fascinating. So the first two are both Japanese, uh, both from uh, Yusaku Mazawa. Sorry, I don't speak Japanese. You'll have to correctly pronounce that. Yusaku Mazawa. Yeah, which was his tweets about basically, uh, I, I think he was giving away money. Yes. But top two, yeah, he was giving away money. The third most retweeted tweet is, uh, help me please, a man needs his nugs. <laughs> I forgot about the chicken nuggets Wendy's tweet. The fourth most retweeted tweet uh, is the family of Chadwick Boseman announcing his death. Okay. Oh. Uh, then the f- the fifth is the Ellen DeGeneres tweet. Okay. And then the sixth is uh, from Louis Tomlinson. <laughs> Always in my heart, Harry Styles. You're sincerely, Louis. Well, okay. So I can add some context here. It makes sense that Japanese tweets are the two most retweeted tweets, even if it is a billionaire giving away money. I've done a, a good amount of writing and uh, reporting on Japanese Twitter. It works very differently from American Twitter. It operates similar to like Reddit, and everyone on there is typically anonymous, and they use retweets kind of like upvotes. So like, if you see like a random tweet of like a cat photo on a Japanese account. It'll have like 50,000 retweets and the caption will be like enjoying the afternoon. And the Louis Tomlinson tweet is important uh, because it, I mean, we think we know why it's important. I, well, just in case, because they're really good friends, just in case any of our listeners uh, aren't familiar uh, with a very popular one direction ship called Larry. Uh, this tweet would possibly be useful for larry shippers to confirm that harry styles and louis tomlinson may have um had romantic feelings for each other i i typically ship harry styles with obama who incidentally has the ninth most popular tweet of all time uh so there you go uh however here's something really fascinating of the remaining uh 23 that i haven't mentioned in the top 30 most retweeted tweets of all time 18 of them are from the same account uh, Can you guess the account? I'm looking at the list right now, and it's BTS. <laughs> it, of course, is BTS. <laughs> yeah. Um, what were we talking about? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. So I have something to show you. Um, I've got I've got some good stuff this week. So <laughs> I got completely sidetracked by Elder Generous' selfie. Um, yeah. Oh, right. Okay. I we were talking to, about the internet being unhinged. I need to talk to you about the geezer drill. Mm-hmm. So... I need you to explain to Americans, like, what is this? Like, what is this? Okay. Oh boy. Okay. Right. Sorry. So I saw this. I saw, I saw this in passing the other day, and now I'm now I'm like retrospectively figuring it out as quickly as I I can. So, okay. So what we're talking about are two videos that went pretty viral this week, showing seventy year old white guys from the UK performing a style of music uh, called drill. You got my number, I got the deals and I got them drivers. Got a girl next door, 
You know I ain't got no papers. I'm a local hero. And I'm talking to the time. And I'm known to the gathers. And I've been poking around. So drill is a style of trap music. And there is a UK subgenre of drill that is kind of like, um, it's kind of like gangster rap, but uh, it's got like, different flourishes it's a little more grime influenced um there's some really big drill producers and it's a regular boogeyman in british tabloids it's like blamed for all kinds of like street crime and stabbings and shit but it's it's basically just like trap like trap music um and these guys are very old and very white and they're doing it and they're not doing it terribly actually no they're not i i i think they're legit like i i I saw this and i was like well this is going to be fake but this is legit they are actually doing this the other two people doing this i don't see this is fake i don't think there's any like weird shit going on i think they're just yeah they're doing it for real the dude with the goatee in the video, the bald guy with the goatee is genuinely good. Like his voice yeah. is sick, and I would listen to it in a club without. <laughs> this might be because I haven't been to a club in like, you know, a year and a half, if not more. Sure. But I would absolutely listen to that guy just like raspily scream about like white collar crime in a nightclub. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, well, I mean, this is actually a really good transition into something that I want to talk about, which is the London mayoral race. All right, yeah this this week's your show, man. Let's do it. All right, let's talk about let's talk about the London right, mayoral. So race. one of the candidates running in the London mayoral race is a drill minister. Uh, so there is actually a, a drill artist running for London mayor. Oh, because there's an awful lot of people running for London mayor this year. There's like twenty candidates. Is Count Binface running for London mayor? Yes. Okay. He's now uh, part of the drill- Content Mind cinematic universe. So I want to make yep. sure we do a proper callback. I mean, we need to introduce another person to the uh, Content Mind Cinematic Universe, which is, uh, I'm going to say his name, and I want you to guess what party he's running for. Uh, his name is Dr. Peter Gammons. I've already seen this. Yes. This was dropped in the Garbage Day Discord this morning. Uh, he is a UKIP uh, yep. politician, I believe. And just for Americans, a uh, point of clarification, Gammon means ham, <laughs> but it's also a, a Twitter term for like a very particular kind of middle-aged British man. Exactly. But what's uh, interesting for the rest of the race, what's really interesting is that um, a poll came out this morning, uh, had everyone in the usual positions. Uh, Sadiq Khan will win. He is the Labour candidate. Uh, Sean Bailey, who is a truly awful Conservative candidate, he'll come second. They'll go to runoff. It works like the French presidency and, and Sadiq Khan will win. But in fifth place, uh, with 5% of the vote, according to this poll, um, is Nico Omelana. And who's the, that? He is the YouTuber who's responsible for the NDL. And what's the NDL? You know what the NDL is. Uh, hold on. Do I? Yep. The no decompression limit. The time interval <laughs> that a scuba diver okay, may hold on, hold on. Let me let me show you let me show you a clip and you're gonna go like, oh. The Nico Defense League? Yes, look at this clip and tell me you don't know who this guy is. Racism. Now, I deal with racism all the time, especially on YouTube, but the problem is I can never see who the racists are. They're always hiding behind the screen. So then I thought to myself, where can I find a bunch of racists who I can go and troll in person? Then it hit me, the EDL. 
Now, the EDL is a racist group in the UK that stands for the English Defence League. So pretty much, they don't want anyone else coming in the country. I'm here to protest, right? I'm going on a march. I want Britain to be back British. It's I have never seen this before. You have definitely seen him before. You, I, you have sent it to me on multiple occasions. I have never seen this before. <laughs> oh, I have seen this before. There we go. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> this kid's running for mayor. That's awesome. He's running for mayor. And more to the point, he's on 5%. And there's a very good chance that he's going to deny Sadiq Khan a win on uh, on the first uh, first pref- on first preference votes. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's fun. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't make. It's not going to make much difference in, in the end. In in the end of it, but it is genuinely fascinating that a YouTuber has got to five percent in a, a a pretty big vote. And what is his like? Like, what's his platform? He's running as a joke. Oh, that's always good. Uh, populism is super cool. I love populism. It goes really well. Yeah. Well, he's running. He, he's running as a joke. He hasn't mentioned many. Uh, uh, policies, but he has mentioned that he, you know, he thinks there's too much corruption. Uh, he thinks the the politicians are idiots. He thinks that uh, there should be more police somehow. Uh, and he also that's, thinks that, that's out of left field. Okay, more police well, and be, no politicians. He thinks, that, he thinks there should be more police in order to police the politicians. That's a funny little twist there. Okay, yeah, and he also thinks that we should get rid of the uh, the low traffic neighborhoods, so the, the blocking of roads in. in areas of london which is an extremely populous platform and pretty much a right-wing platform which is fun and i don't think he realizes that's what he's running on wait so he's pro cops and cars yeah okay i don't like this guy at all no. like i don't like I don't this think... at all well this is it like he he's clearly doing this platform as a joke and the whole thing is it like is a joke but he's also the platform that he's come up with as a joke is quite right wing yeah well it's funny how a populist politician with a big YouTube following has come up with a platform that just happens to be very right wing as a joke. That's really interesting that this is the yeah. first time that, that has ever happened in any country on earth. Well, I was, yeah, I was tweeting about this earlier today because obviously this has happened before and it happened in Brazil uh, and it's happened in other countries as well. And I think that there is a, you know, the way that our most of our electoral system works means it will be very hard for someone like that to get a seat. Uh, or actually make like the inroads you need to do. Like for him to be mayor, he would need to win half of the vote uh, on second preference ballots, which is essentially impossible. But you know, we don't have a proper proportional representation anywhere. Like he could maybe theoretically get something in the assembly, but he hasn't run for that obviously because he's not trying to win. He's trying to do it as a joke. But I think the fact he's got to five percent based on essentially people messing around on YouTube and his YouTube followers and his network of YouTube right. YouTubers supporting him is. I don't know. It's not something I've seen before. For Americans following um, British politics, it can be kind of confusing because we don't really have the same rhythms politically as a country that the UK does. So if you're trying, if you're interested in seeing like a really clear depiction of how someone can go from like joke fringe candidate to very important figure politically, I highly recommend the HBO show by Russell T Davies. Years and years. Yeah. Emma Thompson plays like a Nigel Farage riff who starts as a Katie Hopkins style columnist who says the F word on TV. Then she uses that to start the four star party as in like, you know, bleeped out F word, which is then is a joke until it's not a joke like five to 10 years later. And I feel like when I first got to the UK and I was Brexit was, was just on the horizon and I didn't quite fully grasp like how like, the functions of government work like that. And so it is like not totally crazy to be like running as a joke 
And then 10 years later, it's not a joke anymore. And you're like kind of a big deal. Well, I think it was that. But the other thing that made me unnerve me about it was that there are, you know, there are lots of candidates. There's 20 candidates in this race. There's a lot of joke candidates. And one of the other other candidates is a guy called Lawrence Fox, who if you're British, you'll groan. If you're American, you'll be like, who's that? I think I know the name, but I don't know how I know the name. I assume you've seen it from the remnants of British Twitter that you follow. Mm. But he's basically a, a, a twat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he used to be an actor on a show called Morse, which is like a boring detective show for middle-aged people. Uh, and then he got, I think he got fired. He was briefly married to Billy Piper. Uh, oh yeah yeah and then he kind of in the last few years has become has discovered that you know if you have really cranky right-wing opinions suddenly people want to talk to you and say oh aren't you rebellious aren't shouldn't you have a like a nice profile in this newspaper and mm. as a result he's decided that he's appropriate it's appropriate for him to run for mayor he's being funded by one of these um you know right-wing multi-millionaires who's put you know i, I believe millions of pounds into his campaign right and he is he's barely scraping one percent in the polls because no one actually wants to vote for him he's a joke candidate but he's had a lot of coverage like everyone like talks about him he's like the thing and i think that silently behind the scenes this youtuber doing it without any mainstream support has got to five percent is one of the things we're like oh there's a there's been a, a, fl- a switch has flipped here and it will take a long time for this to come to fruition but that's yeah. the thing and like the next person who does it might be able to do ten percent and then the next person who does it might be able to do 15%. Mm. And eventually there will be a person who's able to leverage their online network effect to do 51%. And then um, I think we have to unplug the internet for a while and like figure it out. Well, the wild thing is that you don't actually even need to do that because... No, I was just doing example, that as dramatic. It was like good audio. You know, it was, like, it was a dramatic no, effect. No, no, you don't need to get to 51%. Because there are always other ways in. For example, uh, in Scotland right now, there's a Scottish election. The Scottish election is very strange, but involves uh, more constituency candidates and list candidates and stuff. But the magic number is about 6%. If you get 6%, you get a seat. Uh-oh. Yep. What's the... I'm, surpri- I'm surprised Count Dankula is not running. <laughs> I am also surprised that Count Dankula is not running. So, yeah. Um, there are bits of the UK. Uh, London also has a, a kind of a list assembly system. So if there was a different version of it that might, uh, I don't know, might work, uh, you might be able to get into it, into a, an elected body with less than 10% of the vote. So it's, I think it's probably closer than, than we think, but it's probably not this time around, just. I mean, New York City's about to maybe get Andrew Yang. So, uh, you know, we're not ones to talk. I don't think that's actually going to happen, though. You say that right up until you'll get Andrew Yang. I know. Yeah, it's true. Anyways, okay. Um, let's talk about sports. Let's talk about sports. All right. So. Some sports happened. Well, actually, no, that's not what happened. No sports happened. That was the thing. Right. And you promised me that this was technically an internet story is that still correct yes that is still correct okay so uh, i can I, I think what i need to do is i need to explain like the central thing that happened and then i can get onto the internet bit of it okay let's let's start right. at the very beginning so in the in 19 in 1888 <laughs> <the> league... <laughs> no this actually is no this actually is relevant because this is kind of the the, the central principle of it like the league the football league started in 1888 
uh, so what's that? 120, 132 years ago, uh-huh. 133 years ago, uh, which is, you know, it's, it's a long time ago, but it's fundamentally, it is the same league that is still happening now. We've added bits on, we've changed the rules, we've done bits and pieces to it, but it is still the same league. They took a break for the Second World War, admittedly, but other than that, it's been going continuously. Okay. And to, like demonstrate that on Saturday, uh, Burnley are playing Wolves. Burnley first played Wolves in the top tier of the of the fo- English football pyramid in 1888. So it is it is still the same teams. It's still the same thing. It has been going for a very long time. Okay. Now, uh, in 1982, uh, they the Premier League started, which was broadly speaking, Sky Murdoch Sky arrived and said, "We're going to put an awful lot of money into this. Uh, you guys need to break off from the top of the football pyramid, which is the whole way down. There's like you know ten layers of the football pyramid. You go down and down and down as you get worse and worse and worse. When they said we're going to add an extra one on the top, we're going to take the top twenty teams from the the, the league below and we're going to start a new one and they're going to get more money based on the new TV revenue. Okay. That was 1992. And that kind of fundamentally changed football. It changed in the UK, but it changed it globally because it meant there was just a huge amount more money coming into the game. As a result of that, it's become more and more uneven over time. Uh, the top clubs now get more and more money and, and it, 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 in the opposite to America, whereas America is a very capitalist country that has bizarrely socialist sport. Uh, the UK is a broadly, is a, is a, country that comes close to socialism a lot of things but has extremely capitalist sport yeah it seems like football is like hyper capitalism like it's almost like it's almost like level like nascar levels yeah it's basically the better you do the more money you get to make it easier to do better the next season i love i love capital yeah i love that i love money yeah and what that does is it builds up uh yeah basically inequality in the game but it also means that you know the top clubs are well ahead of the clubs at the bottom of even the same division okay so a lot of the top clubs then said right what we need to do is we need to get together in order to make a better version of this uh so they decided it was going to go across europe take the best clubs from each league across europe and form the super league uh the intention being that they were going to make a lot more money with it and uh, how do they make money with that by hiking ticket prices and merchandising or it's tv uh, so ticket so prices are expensive. Rights. Okay, it's TV rights. That's where the money is. Uh, which you know, if I mean, if you think about it, like Disney make Disney had thirty seven million subscribers to its new platform uh, to Disney Plus. Yeah, like seven ninety nine ago, um, which is you know, there's billions of pounds. Like it is enough billions of pounds, billions of dollars to fund the entire league for a year. So if you look at that and say, okay, can can you get thirty seven million people to subscribe to this in to football in you know five countries that this might take place in yeah absolutely you can job done uh, so explain to me why this isn't actually collective action and these teams seizing the rights to their own labor and creating a union sure it's because what they're doing <laughs> is they're creating a monopoly so they're not creating they're not creating that because if you think about it a monopoly and a union are very similar right because one of the reasons that they are attempt- – one of the ways – and this is actually really important. One of the ways that they're attempting to do this is that they are going to put a cap on player wages. To make sure everyone is equal, right? No, to make sure that the, 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 the workers, the players, can no longer demand money, more money from the bosses. But if you think about it, with a soccer team, the workers really are the people who um, own those teams, right? You know, They're the ones contributing really a lot of the labor – of um 
He's pushing it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got nothing. This is a nightmare. This sounds like a complete nightmare. Yeah, it is a complete nightmare. Uh, and it, it's very, very bad. And it, it fundamentally, the big deal of it is, is that, you know, if you get it, it to the sounds like, of it, it sounds like, what if a media monopoly was also like debt slavery? That's That sounds like what yes. they were trying to set up. Yeah, so if you get to, uh, uh, yeah, and the whole gist of it is, if you get to the top of the Premier League, you get into the Champions League, which is the pan-European competition, uh, which is, you know, the best club competition in the world, because, you know, that's where all the money is. The reality of that, of what this would do, would it be, it would cement the top 15 teams from these leagues into this competition, and so you can now no longer get into it. And that fundamentally changes the principle of football that's been going since 1888, with some major problems along the way so for example um the nearest team to me i think is harringay borough uh which who play in like in front of like 200 people a week uh you know in non-pandemic times uh and they are i think in uh layer seven or layer eight okay theoretically them down the road i believe some of them are like plumbers uh they theoretically if they had seven really good seasons they would be in the champions league that's really cool Yes, that's the whole principle. This thing sets it up so it goes like, no, 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 you now can't do that. The top league is for only a list, certain list of people who can't get into it. So I, I never went to a football game in the UK because you never took me. I don't know why. I guess you're embarrassed of me. But I did go to a football game in Germany. And it was a, like a, a club outside of Berlin. A bunch of us went. And it was really cool because the club... I'm going to get this wrong, but basically... The community came together to build the stadium, and there's like a giant statue in front of the stadium, like honoring, like the contributions of the community towards building the football team. And it's the football team there is treated like a co-op. It's like a it's like a it's like a it's like an actual socialist football team, and so like yeah. the the community has like a stake in it. And there's like it matters, and it and it. it I mean, it was a, it was super cool because like everyone was really involved and it was like a fun place to be. And it it is very exciting to think that like that little club could make it all the way up to the very top of whatever. Well, so you may have noticed that the German clubs were not part of this. And the reason the German clubs weren't part of it is because they have a, a rule that stops this. They, really? they have a yeah, they have a 50 percent plus one rule, which means that the ownership cannot have more than own more than, you know, 49 percent of the club. What that means is that the fans have the final vote in when they do stuff like joining a new league or selling the club or, or whatever it might be, which prevents them doing stuff like this. So they all came out very early and were like, we're never joining this thing, which was one of the key things that made it fall apart in the end because they, they realized they weren't going to get a couple of the big German clubs. Uh, but that is that is the reason what, why that Germany is different to you know the rest of Europe and then particularly the British clubs who are all owned by billionaires, which is like Saudi petrol states. Well, only one of them is technically owned by a Saudi petrol state. Technically, one of them is owned by the Boston Red Sox, who make Hell worse. yeah, baby. Boston <laughs> Red Sox forever. Yeah, no, there's uh, three owned by the US, one owned by Russia, one owned by the Emiratis, and one owned by uh, Enoch, which is a British-American investor group, which is Tottenham, in fact. Um, and of those four, two of them, uh, Man City and Chelsea, who are owned by the Emiratis and the Russians, respectively, are different because they are not really there to make money. Like, they are doing political soft power. Right. That's sort so, of how I see this podcast as well for us. Like, it's, sure. it's not about making money. It's about using this podcast to influence world powers into uh, acting certain ways. Beginning with a side channel. That's correct. That's right. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, so that's the that's that's the, the, the gist of this thing uh, that the the Man City and, and Chelsea kind of bailed on it because they were like, this actually doesn't really suit our needs. Now everyone fucking hates it. Okay, so before we move to the next stage of the story, which is how everything fell apart in the course of about one day, um, I do unfortunately want to play this clip from James Corden. I hate James <laughs> Corden. I think James Corden sucks and. Um, I unfortunately think this clip of him talking about the Super League is extremely compelling, and I think it would probably help people who aren't totally tapped into this whole thing to kind of understand the emotional weight of this, because like the James Corden mask slipped off here, and he sounds like a human being for the first time in his professional career, and I really appreciated that. Have you seen this clip? Yes. Now, without boring those of you who don't care, which is basically 100% of the people in this room, the truth is that that this whole thing, making this move, these teams, these owners are killing. They will kill hundreds of other football teams that compete with them and have competed with them many times over the years, disregarding the fan bases of those teams and disregarding the fan bases of their own teams who are devastated about these two because these aren't small teams. For those watching who don't follow football, soccer, uh, you would have heard of, I'm sure, like Man United, Liverpool, Arsenal, AC Milan, Barcelona, Real Madrid. These are the biggest teams in the world, and this decision is monumental. Let's talk about why this all blew up in the course of about 12 hours. It blew up broadly because it was deeply deeply unpopular and i think a lot more unpopular than they're expecting uh they're expecting everyone to be like "Ugh, rather this didn't happen because like bluntly this this has been coming for a while like okay. every two years or so there is a rumor there are some leaked documents about someone like coming up with this this idea for a league and i kind of would always assume that it would be a pan-european uh league above the premier league uh that would kind of make sense to me um it just means that you know man's man united are playing you know other good teams across europe because like where this gets into the weeds is that fundamentally the way that football is now is really bad and that's actually why i don't like that cordon clip because the idea is that cordon got you the don't like the cordon clip no i don't because I, I think that there's been a very strange thing over the last few days where everyone has turned around to say actually football's good and not a broken sport and it's it is fundamentally incredibly broken sport like okay so a tottenham season ticket i think the the cheapest season ticket you can get is 800 and something quid uh for a season ticket that gives you 19 games okay so i want to see what hold on i want to see i i it's probably not even use useful but nfl season ticket price i didn't even know you know i'm so not good at sports stuff that i don't even know how to what how much so okay this is a Quora thread because I am that guy. I don't have any sports knowledge whatsoever. <laughs> so as of 2019, buying a ticket to a National Football League game is no small undertaking. Even the cheapest tickets are $100 a pop. And the average ticket price across the NFL is at least double that. And in stadiums where tickets are in high demand, a seat can cost much more. Buying a ticket to a New England's Patriots home game through the first 13 weeks of the season costs $569 on average. Um, okay, yeah, wow, American sports are broken. Um, this one guy has five season tickets to the Raiders and they cost $500 each. Jeez. Yeah, see, that's so sorry, 
for a season ticket. That's what it says, season tickets. Well, I mean, the Raiders, I suppose. Yeah, it's yeah. the Raiders. Um, but that's the thing. Like, yeah, so so the average season ticket, you know, it's costing you 800 quid. Like, when, when you were over here, I think the most recent time, I was we were talking about going to a game. And then the more we looked at it, the more I looked at it, I couldn't find, like, two tickets next to each other. And the, it, for a minimum cost, it was, like, 120 quid, which is not, let's go to a fun game on a Saturday afternoon. That's an outlay. Yeah, that's a lot. Because then you have yeah. to, you know, because you're going to drink at least 100 quid worth of alcohol there. Well, at British football matches, you can't drink in, in view of the pitch. That's right. I forgot about this. You can't, you, you guys can't be trusted with alcohol to the point where you're not allowed to physically look at the game while you're consuming beer, right? Yes. Okay. So Including at some small grounds where they you, know, you can go to the bar and they've built like a large opaque fence so that you can stand at the bar and the pitch, the game's happening on the other side of it, but you can't see it while also holding the beer. It's like the thing horses wear so they don't get spooked. It's like, yes. it's like if British men see sports while drinking beer, they might act <laughs> irrationally. So you have to be penned in like animals. Yes. So more on, on football being broken. How do you like? So, well, the other half of this is if you want to watch games on TV, if you want to watch games on TV on all the games, you need two subscriptions, uh, which come to a combined cost of about 100 quid a month. Just for like your small local pub to play games? No, that's to watch it in your own home. What? Why? Yeah. What? You need a Sky Sports subscription and a BT Sports subscription. None of it's like included with your TV license or whatever? Nope. It is none of it's free for air. Do you know that air. I'm still trying to cancel my UK TV license? <laughs> yeah man this is that's that's the that's the gig that's the gig i am still i am still paying for tv in the uk because i cannot for the life of <laughs> me figure out how to uncancel this fucking license i am i'm anyway so so there's no like over the air sports coverage not for football uh they they play the fa cup uh, okay. which is the cup competition but it's not the big one but the premier league you couldn't just like nope. turn on the tv and, you and have, watch it you haven't made to watch the premier league on tv since 1992 uh, with the exception of a brief period last year when they they were they were basically trying they had so many games after the pandemic that they weren't quite sure how to handle them and they threw a couple of those on, on free to air TV. But that's Co- the first time the Premier League's been on free to air TV since 1992. A couple of years ago, I watched the Premier League in a Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville in Jamaica. Yeah, I mean it's, it's, it's a, a great, global brand. It's a great day, you know. But do you know do you know how much it costs to put the Premier League on in a British bar? How much? Uh, it costs more than twenty five thousand pounds a year. That's insane. Right. So this all builds up to this sense of why the hell is this a good model? Like when they're saying, oh, I can't believe that this this new this new league is not going to be good for the fans. It's like, none of this is good for the fans. It's been bad for the fans for 30 years. Why do you think it's just getting bad now? And this is why the Corden thing frustrates me because everyone's like, oh, this breaks the like spirit of competition and stuff. I'm like, this is not good. This is a really messed up league. It doesn't make any sense. And it's a really broken sport. Right. And everyone just keeps acting like it's normal and we keep carrying on and the money keeps going up and up and up. So how do you fix it? Well, you don't. It's too late, basically. Like, what? The, 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 Super, <laughs> league would have, the Super League would have made it worse, but this is it. We're, we're done. However, this and this is where it comes back to the internet thing. Okay. So um, are we going to do the internet thing now? We're going to do the internet thing now. Okay, let's talk about how this is an internet story. I've I've had to sit through uh, forty minutes of this, <laughs> so let's do why this is an internet story. So this is an internet story because of the amount of money that it costs to basically watch football. It has radically changed how young people 
consume football. So if you are uh, my age, actually, if you're 32, <laughs> take a minute. Uh, yeah. If you're 32, uh, I have basically not been, no, I don't remember a time before the Premier League. Okay. So that is how you consume football. What that means now, though, is because we have social media, people are not consuming football in the same way and people are turning and part of the gist of the league was they were saying young people have no attention span anymore that right. was the whole the whole thing that they were going through with and that doesn't make any sense because kids watch you know 14 hour long fifa streams and uh like incredibly long programs they have the attention span for football they just don't watch it because they can't because it's incredibly expensive i have and wondered a, this about across the board attention span discourse which is is it that young people don't have good attention spans and they don't want to watch whatever? Or is it that the thing that you are making is so prohibitively expensive that they're just watching the shorter, cheaper version online? Yeah, that's almost definitely what's happening. And as a result, they're watching you know clips on YouTube and Twitter rather than watching the sport itself. What that means is that rather than develop the fandom of teams, they develop a fandom of players and of managers. And this has become a big, oh, big shift. I think I know where this. Are you? Is it like the influencerfication of like football? Essentially, yeah. It's like a giant metaphor for everything. Yeah. Think about it. If, like that's that's like right now where it's like if you're a teenager, you might not have like the ability to buy a bunch of media, but you can go watch like a YouTuber for free. Yeah, and it's like these guys, these you know, these kids are watching teams play in small clips, and so they're going to focus on the one player or the coach with like the funny face that does the memes or whatever, and like that's who they know because they can't afford the whole thing. Exactly, they're not Juventus fans; they're Ronaldo fans, and they were fans of his at Real Madrid, and they're fans of his at Man United, and then they follow the player, and they know the players they like, and they know the managers they like, and they don't follow the clubs. Which means the you know historic thing of football, which is you are loyal to your club and you are annoyed when players leave, even if you really liked them beforehand, and that is like the fundamental thing. And you your contract with the club is you go to games and you pay the money, and then they give you a substandard product and you're angry at them. Uh, that relationship is gone, and it's now a relationship that exists online. And you kind of look at it, and, and part of this this league was that plan it was going to say okay so we're going to have Mbappe from PSG and Kane from Tottenham and uh, Ronaldo from Juventus and Messi from Barcelona and Haaland from Borussia Dortmund and they're all going to play in the same league and they're going to be playing each other all the time and it's going to be great because all of these people who only understand this game through uh, players rather than clubs are going to be like this is the best league for me however they've misunderstood why that's happened it's happened because of the money right because you can't consume football easily anymore They've got it backwards. Yeah. And also, based on like trends everywhere else in society right now, I think there's definitely a possibility that Gen Z figures out a way to reinvent the idea of a football club. They're reinventing the idea of all sorts of other communal activities. I think it's probably not far off from them being like, well, how do we create an easy way, cheaper, to provide that experience for people? Yeah. And the answer is probably going to be, you know, exhibition matches, for example. So... Now what happens is that before every game, uh, before every season, teams go on like world tours. So Tottenham, for example, have Huming Sun, who is a great player. He's a South Korean. Uh, they go and do a tour of South Korea. He's like the most famous person in South Korea who isn't a member of BTS. Uh, and I like to be more famous than than BTS at times. Uh, but that's a big careful, thing. So what careful, careful. We do not want to. We do not want to be in the business of beefing with BTS. Oh no, okay? no, no, no. Sun, BTS, they're good friends. It's all fine. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they 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 go Tottenham go on tours to to 
South Korea as a result because the, the, the global brand is there it becomes more valuable and what they're actually trying to do is is build that up rather than necessarily build up the concept of I they would like people in the local area around Tottenham to come to their games so it's like the fast and the furious theory of soccer yeah basically like if you wanted to be a successful football club right now what you do is you go and buy like four or five players who have good social media followings but who are uh, under who aren't necessarily that good stick them in the same team and they can not play brilliantly but do the occasional bit of like fun skill or whatever uh, and that's probably a better way to ensure a future for your football club yeah i mean what is a football team in 2021 if not just like a hype house that runs yeah so what does this mean like what did this what what did this entire incident with the super league mean like is this going to be a thing where in three years it happens again or it almost a version of it almost definitely happen again like what the, the ridiculous thing about this is is that over the last on monday this was launched on sunday uh and it took two days and it fell apart but on monday <laughs> <laughs> on monday the, the, the champions league announced a, a new format which is the the uh swiss model where what they've what they do is i'm not getting into actually i'm getting into details i'm going to try doing it quickly okay uh at the at the moment, the Champions League has 32 teams, each of which, uh, and they start in uh, eight groups of four, and then the top two, they all play each other twice, and then the top two from those uh, groups go forward to the next stage, which is a knockout stage. Okay. They're replacing that with the Swiss model, so they can have 36 teams, and then all 10, all, all the teams play 10 other teams in there, uh. and whoever gets the most points from that 10, the top eight go through, then the places from nine to 24, Four, no, 12, 13 to 24 play each other in a playoff and then half of them go through which fills up the end of the team and then they start the knockout again but they've just added four teams in order to make sure that every team now rather than playing six games in their group now plays ten games they add four more games they add four more so why, wh- why, why do this? in order to get four more games to have four more days of revenue oh that's, that's it it's simply yeah, just to play it. more games yeah, that's that's the entire thing. Okay. So you're also looking at this and then going like, well, the future of this is that you're going to keep doing this and they keep going to do annoying they're going to keep doing annoying shit like this. And my my favorite part of this, which is that the problem with the ESL was that it was an unfair cartel and they just sort of picked themselves to be in this. The new system means that there are going to be two teams from across Europe each year who are who are basically put in because they have a high rating even though they miss the qualification standards in their own country. So the the Champions League is just doing the same thing in a slightly different way. I feel like I'm more confused now. Yeah. The point is everything's <laughs> bad. And the idea that this thing was uniquely bad is kind of a, 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 it's just a fallacy. It's And that's that's why that James Corden clip is so annoying, <laughs> is that he makes out that it is a uniquely bad thing. And it's not. It is a progression of where we're already at and it's going to get worse and you know yeah this is probably put it off for probably three years maybe a bit longer maybe five years but it'll come it'll happen with the with like the with like the sports influencer thing like i guess what i'm trying to figure out is like how do you have a functional team sport in a world where like people are consuming it via personalities almost exclusively now i mean yeah that's a really interesting way to think about it like it's the same in the u.s like oh i know i i live in i live in tom bradyville i i'm very aware so is everyone around you now wearing tampa bay shirts it has been a confusing time um people here still love tom brady 
but there's still latent support for Tom Brady in in Massachusetts. Yeah. So yeah, that's it. That's that's the future of sport. Somewhere along the line in Tom Brady's career, it switched, and it was stopped being that he's like the favorite son of Boston into becoming Boston is a Stan army for Tom Brady. And that switch happened in my lifetime. Like I, I was around for it. I don't know when it happened. I don't know enough about football to tell you, but that did happen. And so now like, you know, my family watches Tom Brady play down in Florida, wherever the fuck he is. Yeah. It's weird. It's really weird. But it's the same with like, you know, LeBron. It's the same thing. There are a bunch of like LeBron stands. You don't really care where he plays. I guess I don't know enough about sports to know if this has always been true, but it doesn't feel like it was always true. It wasn't. But, you know, you can, you, you, if now you can't consume even the team you want to watch because it costs so much money, like, why would you not just watch clips of the player that you like? Right. And it, so it's like, why wouldn't you just watch short Twitter bootleg videos of your favorite player and then follow the match via, like, Google's automated scorekeeper or whatever and like that's your that's your consumption of sports yeah exactly which is really fucked up for like soccer football because it's like one of the most like it it has like the lowest barrier of entry of any sport that exists yeah all you need is some people and a ball and a ball and now the majority of the fans of it like can't even watch it yeah i mean if you want to know the the best version of what football should be uh it was rocket league after Rocket League, <laughs> uh, it happened. It happened in the the nineteen sixties because, like, the beauty of football isn't when the good thing happens; it's when the bad thing happens. I, I mean, I but, don't understand what you're talking about, but continue. Well, uh, basically, football is is a road to misery at different levels, and uh-huh. then every now and again, you're not miserable briefly, and then you're miserable again. Like, oh, yes, you've very, to, you've told me this theory the like the like brief moment of happiness theory of soccer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, this is why everyone's so mad. It's like, well, why would you? why would I put myself through the next 80 years of being miserable supporting this football team if there's no hope that I get the moment of happiness? You're not going to get the moment of happiness. No one does. But but why not? Do you need the hope of it? Um, but yeah, in the 1960s, uh, there was a team, uh, Northampton Town. Uh, in the 1960-61 season, they were in Division 4. Uh, so yeah, four divisions down. Uh, and over the course of the next five years, uh, they got promoted every single year until they ended up in the top division. Uh, you know, Big moment for the town, huge everything. They were going to build them a brand new stadium. They were going to do everything. Um, you know, they got to the top division and they struggled a little bit. So they got demoted. Uh, and then they, they struggled again and they got run again and they got run again. Uh, so between 1960 to 1969, they got from the fourth division to the third division to the second division to the first division, back to the second division, back to the third division, back to the fourth division. Uh, and they've never really left the fourth division since. That's football. That's the beauty of it. It's just <sighs> briefly good and then awful. Okay. <laughs> i think i get it i think i get it i mean this has been this has been a probably the toughest episode for me that i, I mean i hope <laughs> this that is how i feel when you talk about anime it's, i know i know i know buddy i hope everything you said is accurate because there's like no way i can fact check anything that you're talking about but i think i think it makes sense and i think i think my takeaway from it is that football seems really screwed up and it, and I yeah. don't know how I, – I, I would love to end this with like a, here's how we fix it, but I actually don't know how you fix it. You don't. You just sort of wait and then it'll get slightly worse, but you want it to get worse slowly, not quickly. And eventually you die and then it's somebody else's problem. Yeah. You just don't want to get – you don't want it to get too worse in your lifetime because then you, yeah. it affects you. 
I mean, this is, oh God, this is, I mean, the frustrating thing about the whole thing is that many of the people who've been most vocal about like how bad it is work for Sky and have been angrily ranting about how bad the Super League would be from behind a paywall on Sky that costs £80 a month. And it's like, you guys are the problem. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Right, right. I think I get yeah. it. Sorry, that was bleak. <laughs> that was bleak. No, we did it. I think we did it. Yeah. We did a whole sports episode. And I and I actually I I feel like my brain kind of blew up at the idea of like the influencer the influencer thing. I have to think about this more because that's that's kind of a mind blowing idea. But before we end today, Luke, have you con- have you consumed any content to stay sane? Oh, see, I knew you were gonna ask that. I've been thinking about the last like five minutes, trying to remember what I because last I had five something. minutes. Why didn't you li- think about it for the last seven days? I asked you this I exact ha- I question. I had some. I had something. I had something, and then I I didn't write it down, and now I can't remember what it was. Hang on. Uh, what have I watched? Have I talked about the 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 documentary about the the big art heist in Boston? No. Oh, okay, right. That's a good. One. All right. So, um, this week we I've been watching the documentary on Netflix. Uh, this is a robbery. Uh, the world's biggest art heist, which is about uh an art heist in in Boston, apparently. Um, of rembrandts and millions and millions of of dollars of art and it's one of the strangest like things i've seen because it is i just don't understand it it's so it's the 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 heist called the garden heist uh it happened uh 1 a.m on basically it's a robbery that happens just after 1 a.m on st patty's day in 1990 hell yeah st patty's day boston best place to be in the world baby remarkably the city of boston wasn't well equipped to prevent that art heist at 1am on St. Paddy's Day. Can't think of any reason why all the police in Boston would be very distracted on on St. Patrick's Day. Well, the police may have been in on it. I can't imagine that the Boston (laughs) PD would be in on an art heist (laughs) in the (laughs) 90s. That's crazy. Well, it's a genuinely fantastic documentary. It's on Netflix and it's definitely worth watching because it is... um, it's 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 unsolved they've never found the people who did it it seems to be just a group of basically maybe italian americans in boston maybe irish americans in boston one of the two very different uh, things how are the accents in the in, in the documentary astonishing <laughs> <laughs> just, just perfect that's good that's good my yeah, people uh, there's at one point there is a map of which bits of Boston are Italian American and which bits of Boston are Irish. It's north and south. That's the difference. Uh, all the Ita- all the Italians lived in the north and all the Irish lived in the south. And for a long time, if you crossed over, they would fight each other. Yeah, and that seems to be what it is. And and the implication is that it's probably the Italian Americans, but then everyone involved in it uh, died. Like everyone they thought was involved in it, and it's like four years, and they'd be like, I think it was one of these two guys, and they go try and find them, and it turns out the two they both died like the year before. Uh, and they've never found this stuff. And it is, uh, these are like big paintings. This is like tens of millions of dollars worth of paintings. It's like original Rembrandts and stuff. But they, it's also very strange because they they arrive and they they clearly walk through, pick specific things up. So it looks, it looks like they're like robbing to order. Yeah. Cut them out the frames. They don't just like take the frames out. They cut them out the frames and roll them up. And these are like, you know, 400 year old Rembrandts. That's crazy. Up, put them into, yeah, it's absolutely crazy, which is why it's like so. Did 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 they? Were they selling them? Were they robbing them to order? It was. It's really strange. Hmm. Um, because yeah, they couldn't figure it out because there were also like much more valuable artworks there. Maybe it so was like, like a really weird guy who like had a very specific art taste. 
there's but they were assuming then they would be, be able to figure out like who had it and they did not get close it's it's fascinating it's really really fascinating that is fascinating and yeah and just astonishing accents the whole way through of course beautiful voices from the city of boston <laughs> All right, so what content have you been consuming to stay sane? Last night, I uh, completed the fourth gym in Pokemon Heart Gold. Uh, I talked about this last week, but I'm going on a Pokemon podcast called Experience Share this week <laughs> uh, to talk about my experience going through Pokemon Heart Gold for the first time. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh started with Cyndaquil, which is the fire one, um, and I had, to f- I had to play it up into the ghost gym, and everyone warned me that the second gym leader, her name is Whitney, second gym leader or third gym leader? Her, I want to say one of the two. Her name is Whitney, and she has a Militank, which is like a, a milk-based cow Pokemon. Okay. And uh, it is extremely hard. People were warning me that it was going to be really difficult, and it was, um, but I, I overcame, and I beat it. So, yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Um I have a, a I caught the pseudo wudo in case you were wondering. There's only one oh, available. That, that just doesn't sound like a real thing. There's only one available in the game. It's a wood based Pokemon that you you capture because it's pretending to be a tree. Um, sure. So yeah, all around good experience. Uh, good good way to pass the time this week. And by the time most of you hear this episode, I will be receiving my second COVID vaccine. Man, you guys are just doing it really out of order. I don't know, man. I, I, I followed the state's instructions, and uh, the first one... The state's got it wrong. I just think the state of Massachusetts is wrong. Uh, they're never wrong. They're not wrong about Tom Brady. They're not wrong about how to prevent art theft. The hey, state they of were wrong in 1776. <laughs> um, the first shot like made me feel really strange, and so I'm sort of preparing for this one to knock me on my ass. But It's we'll supposed see. to be... Uh, there's some stuff going around, and I may be about to do COVID misinformation here, but there's stuff going around that basically you are more likely... If you haven't had COVID, you feel bad on the first shot, and if you have had COVID, you feel bad on the second. That sounds like I, like astrology nonsense. That sounds like, like that's <laughs> like that's like when the stick starts to vibrate near water or something, like like a divining rod. I don't know. I I felt pretty bad on the first one. I had chills and a runny nose and a surprisingly active uh, downstairs uh, going to the did toilet you, quite a bit. Did you have COVID? I think I had COVID. Um, okay. I I came down with something that I'd never really had before in February of last year, and it knocked me on my ass for about five days, and it was a very strange kind of thing. Weirdly enough, also, I took a train through China uh, on December 8th, 2019, and that train stopped in Wuhan, which is super oh. crazy. I took a train from Beijing to Hong Kong on December 8th, 2019, and it stopped for about 30 minutes in Wuhan because it's like a giant hub. It's like a giant... Have you like only figured that out recently? Or? No, no. I thought I told you about this. Oh, I don't know. No, yeah. I, I got out, stretched my legs on the Wuhan train station, and then I went on my way to Hong Kong, <laughs> and I didn't think anything about it. Um, so that was really weird. Uh <laughs> Uh, that is pretty weird. It's really strange, right? Yeah, December eighth, yeah. two thousand nineteen. I was there. Um, but thank you guys for listening to the content. Well, and then wait, and then you went to Brazil, and Brazil got really bad. Like the I, Brazilian just... variant was there when I got there. Right, um, sure. I wasn't the ski. There was like a ski instructor or somebody who brought the the Brazilian variant from Brazil to America. It was not me. I swear. <laughs> but you know, I swear it wasn't me. Um, 
Thank you guys for listening to the Content Minds. Thank you guys for supporting the Content Minds. If you would like to um, contribute to Luke's part of the salary here, um, the way we do that is with a Patreon. It is patreon.com slash the Content Minds. Uh, we have a side show, a side podcast on there called Post Post Credit Scene. It's like a movie club we do. We are currently marathoning the Fast and the Furious franchise. It's fun. Um, we are currently taking suggestions for our next franchise to marathon. We've already done the DC movies, now Fast and the Furious, so we got to find something else. So let us know what you think. Um, and if you pick up a subscription on Patreon to this show, it will give you access to both the Discord for Garbage Day and the Discord for Side Channel. That's like the new kind of independent writer collective I'm part of. So it's a good deal. Um, come on in. Yeah. Come say hello. Uh, we had Mark Zuckerberg in there on Monday, uh, which is wild to think about. Um, <laughs> it's a cool place. We're trying to do something new. Um, and I'd love to see Content Minds people in there. That would be really they're really, really fun. So, yeah, thank you, guys. And um, remember to support your local football club as long as they're not white nationalists. Yeah, that rules out a lot of them. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. We didn't even get to that part of it. All right, let's do a part two about football for next week. <laughs> yes. Okay. Cool. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>